Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Girls, your mother and I are getting divorced. Monogamy isn't realistic. Monogamy isn't realistic. Again. Monogamy isn't realistic. I didn't understand that word at the time, but now I know exactly what he was talking about. Saturday, I would love it if you were my date. I can't do that because, like, you and I won't ever see each other again. I wake up late every morning, money just cooling, I'm still with you. Morning. Oh, Amy. What happened? The church let out early? Ooh, I like Tom's sweater. Does he teach computer in a church basement? Don't get all threatened just because you don't understand the concept of marriage. You dress him like that so nobody else wants to have sex with him. That's cool. Hey. I'm just a modern chick who does what she wants. Last week, it was this guy. Is that wine in the box? Hey, Mark Wahlberg. Shut up. Mark Wahlberg? Mark Wahlberg's like 150 pounds. I look like Mark Wahlberg ate Mark Wahlberg. Before you judge, you should know I'm doing fine. My friends are awesome, my apartment's sick, and I have a great job at a men's magazine. I like you, Amy. You're clever, but you're not too brainy. You're pretty-ish, and you're not gorgeous. You're approachable. Thank you. Yeah. I'm giving you an assignment. I need a profile on a sports doctor. So you're doing the article on me? Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt. We watching Downton Abbey later? LeBron, I'm being interviewed. Listen, I'm watching it tonight because I'm not going to go to practice and all the guys are talking about it and I'm left out. Tall. You follow sports? Sports. I love them. Who's your favorite team? The Orlando Blooms. Do you want to get a drink? Yeah. What am I doing? I slept at the doctor's place last night. My boy got intimate. Yes. Sexual intercourse. Oh! You never spend the night. What were you, blackout drunk? No, I had like two drinks. Three, max. Four, now that I'm tallying. Because you're on antibiotics or something? Oh my god, he's calling me. Why would he call you? You guys just had sex. This is Amy. I think you butt dialed me? No, I dialed you with my fingers. What'd she say? What'd she say? He called me on purpose. Hang up. He's obviously like sick or something. I was calling to say I had a really good time last night. I was wondering if you wanted to um, hang out again. I'm gonna call the police. It's time for us to talk about what I know is gonna be a train wreck <laughs> podcast. <laughs> But and the question I, is, who's just driving so the you train? Know, the way we do this is, O'Toole and I sometimes see movies together, but in this particular case, we did not. And I'm the one who insisted that we do this movie. And, you know, little super smart, you know, O'Toole over there from Harvard. I knew the minute we were halfway through this film that you'd be like, whatever. So... I just want to start off by saying I'm dancing around the table very gently because you are not going to ruin this movie for me, no well, matter how hard you try. You are and going to said be, a word, but I, I can know, tell right away. No, you're going to be shocked to know. Okay. I went last night, opening night, with three Harvard friends. Yeah. So there were four of us, one of whom is a huge um, Amy Schumer fan. And I just... Male or female? Male. Okay. And I have to say, we went to one of those super duper deluxe movie theaters where it's how I imagine how the Concord used to be, where you've got that big leather recliner and you can press the magic button. The Concord button. seats are smaller than economy class because the Concord was a teeny plane. See, that's why you're Hollister uh-huh. and I'm O'Toole. Exactly. And you've seen the curvature of the earth. I have, yes, yes, many times. But, you know, you press the magical button and someone appears with a caramel macchiato at your side. Did and you I like thought, the movie? If, I, if I'm going to do a Judd Apatow movie... 
go to the Deluxe Theater on opening night where you get the diehard fans, some of whom laugh so hard. Yeah, now did you like the movie? (laughs) You know, of the Judd Apatow movies I have seen, um, I liked this one the most. I thought it was the most accessible. And I think it's because Amy Schumer wrote it. It was written by a woman, whereas his other movies that I've seen were written and directed by Judd Apatow. So I think this one had a more female wash, if you will. Do you know how this movie was conceived? They were having dinner, Apatow and Schumer. Mm -hmm. And she had written the first draft, and he started to talk to her about what was happening in her life. And he tells the story that as it started to unfold, it became much more interesting what was actually happening in her life. And he said to her, go back and write this story. This sounds like Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner. Well, there you go. There you go. And Judd said, this is a quote from him, and I said to her, so why don't you have a boyfriend? Why do you think you pick the wrong guy every time? How would you react when the right guy shows up? What are the issues? And so we were talking about it, and that became Trainwreck. Trainwreck was a fantasy of what would happen if Schumer got healthy and saner. Um, okay, now, by the way, what that means is if you go out to dinner with Apatow, you know, you, for sure, don't tell him anything, because he clearly goes public with it. But the way it all came about was her talking about, well, if I got better and I wasn't who I am, you know, this is who I am, this is how I behave, this is how it would unfold, and then it, that became train wreck. But what I loved about this rom-com mm-hmm. uh, is it wasn't like every other rom-com where the woman wants is dying to have a relationship. Exactly. And that opening scene that talks about, you know, monogamy is not good. And when he, the father, t- he every scene he's in, by the way, he steals the scene. Colin Quinn. Colin Quinn mm-hmm. is amazing. And so... As he's to explain to them about the doll scenario of why he's very character- funny. Oh my God! Very absolutely, funny. The it's best. even funnier than the clip they put in the trailer. Truly, truly, mm-hmm. and um, so I think that the, if you look at the storyline, first of all, romantic comedies are never longer than an hour and a half. That's they, they never tend to are. Be and these this days, was, yes. this was mm-hmm. longer than two hours. I was think, it really? Yeah. It's, that's how much I love my reclining too, leather chair. Yeah, it's, yeah, which is a half an hour longer. Now, he tends to do longer movies, but it's a half an hour longer, and I really think that the 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 unfolding of that tale and the um, search for trying to decide whether she wants to be committed, forget love, she re- recognized right away that she was in love with this person, mm-hmm. um, but whether she really believed and trusted in the safety of love, was something that's wonderful for a rom-com. And if you look, for example, if you compare it to How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, which Mm -hmm. was Kate Hudson's, I think, second finest moment, first being... uh, Almost famous. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, but um, if you look at How to Lose a Guy in 30 Days or 20 Days or whatever... Or 10. 10, I think it was 10 Days, whatever. The ticking clock was built right in. Who's Uh counting? Who's counting? Lose them, lose them. (laughs) But... um, you know, this was so much stronger, so much stronger in terms of plot and the complexity of all the relationships in it. Her relationship with her sister, which is, you know, bound by love of growing up and having shared experiences. And who doesn't share that with their own family, good, bad, or indifferent? And her relationship with her father. And I thought her the eulogy for this man who's passed away, starting off by telling the truth. He was a terrible man. Mm-hmm. But now raise your hands if, if, uh, if you really... He was one of your favorite yes. people. Yep. You know, I, the complexity of the relationships within this film, um, the relationship between the doctor and and, uh, and LeBron James. I mean... LeBron James was such a surprise. Yeah, we'll talk about yes, him later, uh-huh. I'm sure. But if you look about the overall talking about the movie, 
that's what made it a really, really nicely layered rom-com. It just wasn't that one story. Girls trying to get guy or guys trying to get girl, and that's what happens. The subplots in most roman romantic comedies, to me, don't anywhere near come close to to this. And so I well, thought it was really, really good that way. Maybe it's because it's longer. So he was able and she was able to tell those additional stories. I don't know. I don't think it's the length. I think, let me say that. She had time to unfold them, though, which no, you don't see, normally have in an hour and a half. No, I think you always have time to get stuff done. Maybe, Even if you yeah. see a brilliant short, you can get a lot into a short. But obviously, I'm more of a classic Hollywood rom-com person. Give me Rosalind Russell and Cary Grant any day of the week. Yeah. So that's why normally... They're the, dead, by the way. It's well, time they to move are on. Dead, <laughs> but they really set the bar very high because I know that there are so many Judd Apatow fans out there. It's not really my genre because it's two of my great vulnerabilities. One is I don't really do scatology. If I saw a movie that never mentioned a bodily fluid or a body part, I would be fine with that. Imagine if Rosalind Russell and Cary Grant started talking about who knows what. It would seem a little incongruous. The other thing is I don't really do the slacker genre, where you tend to get the unemployed man living at home in his pajamas, you know, getting high. Not really um, my genre. But this, I think the reason why it appealed to me is that with the exception of the father who played his part, as you said, brilliantly. Still, Colin every scene Quinn he's in. did a great every job. Scene he's in. But every other guy in the movie is a good guy. When you think about it, well, it's, and she's not. By the way, she's, she's the one not having a good girl. The you know, issues. exactly. But no, it's if, not the commitment. She's not a nice person. Well, she's not. But if you think about um, the slacker genre, it's usually someone like Katherine Heigl paired with Seth Rogen, who's a little flea-ridden in the movie. In this, she's the flea-ridden one, and the guy is a really nice, accomplished no, sports even medicine the, doctor. The flea, no, because the flea-ridden guys in the in the others, the Heigl films and stuff that you're talking about, are not bad people. She starts out, but she's a not, bad but person. They're not considered a catch either. In this movie, LeBron James is asking her what her intentions are. <laughs> he's great. The, he's great. The sports doctor is a good guy. There is not a thing he does in this movie that you can really take exception to. Well, with. it's very unique for the woman to be the bad bad person um but her her qualities her ethics her morals all of those qualities are not good but she plays it to great comedic effect because as you pointed out it goes against the usual trope yes. where the woman is the one who exactly. so desperately wants the but guy. that's why it was such a welcome relief to yes. be able to watch a film like this that mm -hmm. i think i think it could reinvigorate the rom-com uh genre i do i think this film could reinvigorate the rom-com genre. And just like I think it's been great that there have been these amazing women characters like Hunger Games and Divergent, where you know the, the, the star uh, uh, strength person is a woman, I think that this is a very unique twist to what's happening. And if you look, by the way, it just opened this weekend, mm -hmm. and it's doing much better than Ant-Man, the superhero movie that came out uh, alongside it. So, you know, they really didn't think it was going to overshadow it, but but it did. Now, I will tell you, I went at 8.45 this morning. Wow. What theater is open at 8.45 okay. in the well, morning? Okay, well, I'm not going to tell you because I went. But there was a, a guy and a, and a woman sitting in front of me, maybe in their mid-20s, and halfway through it, he pulls out his phone and he starts you know, texting and doing all kinds of things. And I'm getting irritated because it really is disturbing. When, in the dark, when someone starts doing that, two rows in front of you, you can't concentrate on the movie. So I had to say, excuse me, would you mind turning that off after five minutes, which he did. But he clearly had no interest in this film. 
And why was he there? Because she was there. Oh, the girl. He was with his girlfriend, Isn't who clearly interesting. yes, who she clearly said. To see the Judd Apatow well, we know that women decide who's going to what. You know, I mean, that's do we know that. Yes, we do know it's statistically it's not seventeen-year-old boys anymore. No, huh? no, not at all. So, um, no, it's mothers deciding for kids under the age of twelve. Okay? okay, and then it's which isn't really the and then it's here. right, and then it's late teens and to late twenties when you're date when you're dating, you, they the woman picks the movie. Really, so that's yeah. a turnaround there. Oh yeah, which maybe is why the numbers are changing, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the women, you know, like in their fifties, sixties, they're deciding what films are being seen to. But anyway. I just think it could change it around, and I think it's great. And I hated the name. You know, I'm such a big person on names. Train wreck. She's not a train wreck. She's a work in progress. The other thing is, I don't know much about Amy, and I certainly um, admire that she's now getting a lot of kudos for her um, her comedy um, show on TV. Um, but how vulnerable she made herself in that movie and good for and her. And just like her TV show, yeah. she writes it herself. Right. Um, one of the friends that I was out with last night, she showed me some Amy Schumer videos from YouTube and they were hilarious. Again, well, a little raunchy, but hilarious. I did go on to Comedy Central and I looked at s- some of her show, um, uh, before I went to the film. Cause I, again, I, I wasn't familiar with her work and, and what, what you can see is you can see the similarity that she writes a movie as a series of skits. Hmm. So that each skit is a standalone. Each scene in that movie is definitely a standalone comedy scene. Well, it's interesting. I think I was a little um, distracted by how many times in a romantic comedy have we seen the plot line? Probably it goes back to my gal Friday or before where you have a woman who's a journalist and she's writing an article about the guy who becomes the love interest. If I never see that again in another romantic comedy, I'm probably okay with that. Well, you know, yeah, but I, I felt like that it was such a mind. I mean, but every single scene is its own skit. Well, even the things that we usually see in romantic comedies, which can either be a great scene or fail miserably, for example, a dance number. Um, I would say the dance number in this movie was up there with Silver Lines Playbook well, not, in terms of making me laugh. And you out know loud. why? Like, you know, I, I thought, thought she was she a good was dancer, terrific. and I loved that she didn't do it perfectly. Which ten years ago she would have done it perfectly. But I think it was just so much funnier doing it the way she did it that it was a great comedic choice. Um, and I think she's just cute as a button. I think you know her she ponytail. Like, everything about her is just unbelievably cute as a button. You see her in a movie, and you think you know her. You think she's our best friend. She seems very accessible well she is accessible in a way that hollywood stardom normally isn't for many of these movies and you know she's not she doesn't have a perfect body she doesn't have a perfect mouth she can tell she works out she looks like she does crossfit um but i do i do want to point out that if you're going to go now do watch each scene and understand that it has a beginning a middle and an end and it could stand alone as a skit on her show it definitely could each one is funny it ends with a laugh um, there isn't a scene that doesn't and, or ends in, you know, great sadness. Or and, it, it's true. Um, yeah. yeah, there are some touching moments because usually in these movies, and again, because I have seen so many movies, if you see a character get up and they're about to address a crowd with a microphone, I start to cringe. I just kind of brace myself a la bridesmaids thinking what is about to be said at this microphone. And when she stood up to give the eulogy, and as you mentioned, she started out by saying, you know, my father was not a nice man. I thought this could really 
really be the train wreck that I was expecting from the title. The way she turned that eulogy around, I thought she is a great actress. Well, she's not only a great actress, she's a great writer. A great, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she knows how to tell an authentic story. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and, and to me, I think that's what stood out for me in the film, is there were really authentic moments. Um, I think good writers tell the story that happened. They don't try to worry about how it's going to feel as they're hearing the story. Mm-hmm. And and if they're good storytellers, then they can still make you laugh along the way. And um, and she's an authentic storyteller. Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, her dad does have MS and he is still alive. She authentically tells her story and good mm-hmm. for her because every writer struggles with that inability to upset the people they love by telling an authentic story. So, And I think Judd Apatow was very wise, um, the same way Rob Reiner was with When Harry Met Sally, when Nora Ephron and he were out to lunch and he saw her order and said, you have to put that in the movie. Um, it seems like Judd Apatow gave some good guidance there in terms of steering her towards her real-life experience. Well, we have to talk about how it was directed. With this, you know, he spent a lot of time, he does a lot of due diligence beforehand. Now, for example, he made them go on a date um, to see if they truly had good good chemistry together, which seems like a good idea. Yeah, We're gonna start I, a well, you know, especially he feels that in comedy, if there's no sexual tension between the two people, or it doesn't look like they could really connect, mm-hmm. then they can't be funny. Right. And so he made them go on a date. He filmed so this the date. Is Amy Schumer and Bill Hader. Yes. Who so the Bill Hader, interest. and they went on a date. Um, they went to a, he took them, he did the audition and then afterward he said, okay, now please go to dinner. And he filmed the dinner and it was awkward. They were awkward together. Apparently they didn't have that much to talk about and it was sort of awkward and he filmed it. And then he went on the set of girls where he is the executive producer Mm -hmm. and he kept showing it to everybody, bits of it saying, do you think these people could be in love? And Lena, uh, you know, apparently kept saying yes. And then the way he found out he got the part, which I think is so funny, is um, Amy texted him and said, yay, exclamation point. Mm-hmm. And he texted back, yay, what? <laughs> and she texted back, oh, I thought you knew. You know? It actually seems like they're characters yeah, in the movie. It, you know, so I, so I think that they did really well together. And I think that um, Apatow did a really good job of directing that. I, well, do. I thought Bill Hader was a great choice. Yeah. And he was, in terms of his persona, he was somewhere between Adam Brody and Niles Crane. Hmm. Um, but again, I liked that he was a good, decent guy. I thought that was very appealing. Yeah. So for a romantic comedy, I could already see how she could be drawn to someone oh, like that. Oh, totally. And we have to talk about Tilda Swinton. You know what's so funny? The whole movie, I kept looking at her going, I know this woman. I know this woman. Who is this woman? It's not Uma Thurman putting on Which an English Which tells you how good she was. Yeah. Well, it's shocking. I mean, of course, Tilda Swinton, who won the Oscar for Michael Clayton and has played some pretty androgynous roles like she Orlando. She came out like a unbelievably great character. She was a force. She plays Amy Schumer's boss. And I honestly did not recognize her. Well, you know, for me, watching that whole thing, it just proves to me again why I think print is dead. (laughs) You know, I mean, the whole way that magazine was run, I think is, is exactly that sort of issue of, you know, takes too long to get the story, you know, all of those things. But she was just wonderful. 
her gesturing was wonderful. Uh-huh. Her, you know, oh, we're done here. You yeah. know, the way she does that is just unbelievably great. She was amazing. Every character really stood on their own, and you could, you, there was something you felt about them. They were beautifully developed. Her sister was beautifully developed. The father was developed. I'm so glad you brought up this sister because I know this wasn't the point of the movie, but an incidental takeaway. It was interesting to see how the characters were influenced by the way they were brought up. So you can tell from the very first scene that obviously the father, who's the philandering father, how his way of thinking has had such an influence on his daughters, where one sister kind of reacts by going towards the opposite of what her father was, and the other one starts to become him. And it was the same way where she and the Bill Hader character have their first fight, and he says, no, we can't go to bed if we're still angry. My parents never did that. It was two nice ways of showing how much you can be influenced by the way you're brought up. You know, well, the other thing is, I mean, psychology tells us now that um, everybody's experience is different, even within mm-hmm. the same family. Yeah. So her younger sister didn't experience the situation at home. She was way younger. Much, so she yep. didn't experience mm-hmm. the same way. So she would come out of it totally different. Right. You know, so she wasn't as damaged by by what, you know, she didn't see as much. Right. So um, so she was able to connect in a way that Amy Schumer was not. So, mm-hmm. um, But now we've got to talk about LeBron James. Okay. I thought he was Sleeper, fantastic. fabulous, right? He was, he's got a future for himself in action. I thought he, he was does. great. And I, you know, and I must mention that she chose him um, because he was the only name she knew in sports. That's so funny. That and she wrote him in, and, who, and he can act. And also, she wrote for him really, really well. He had the right lines to act. I mean, it was a very funny scene where he's going on and on about Cleveland and how Cleveland's the same as Miami. You I know? thought the best scene with him actually was paying the check. That was fantastic. Okay, exactly. Also, the bill. totally unexpected. Mm-hmm. You know, and also even when they were playing, um, when he, you know, I mean, of course there were a few things like, why was he always in New York when he plays for Cleveland? Mm -hmm. You know, that didn't make any sense. And why was he friends with this guy? I mean, they did something. Exactly. Well, he hung out with him and all. Yeah. In a way, it must have been off season. Well, I guess, or something. Well, it wasn't off season because the Knicks were playing, but. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. But you know, I mean, there were a few little holes like that that were a little (laughs) bit damning, but, uh, but nonetheless, I thought his acting was. Tremendous that he seemed to be having a good time, and um, I have to say, I, I loved seeing him on the screen. It's the first uh, football player, or you know, basketball player, yeah, that mm-hmm. I, that I thought could really pull it off. And um, what a sleeper! What an unexpected uh, great opportunity well, that was. Again, if you look back at the classic movies like Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy and Woman of the Year, when they're both journalists and he's a sports writer and she's a serious writer of international issues. Isn't the sports department downstairs? Uh, well, uh, yes, yes, I guess it is, but I... Then uh, aren't you going in the wrong direction? Uh, well, maybe I am. I, uh... Are, are you always much too busy? What for? Uh, I was wondering about this afternoon. Sorry. Um, uh, tomorrow afternoon? What's on your mind? I'd like to take you to a baseball game. Okay. lack of knowledge around sports I thought was very funny in that movie and I thought it was very funny here where when she first meets the sports doctor he says so you're a sports fan and she says yeah and he's like who's your favorite teams I have to tell you I laughed when she said Orlando Blooms I thought <laughs> well, it was all, very funny all the teams she came up with were wonderful now totally. speaking of sports star cameos 
you saw your girl Chris Everett was in the movie? Oh, well, not only that, well, I will, I, you know, I just have to brag. I did hit with Chris Everett. Um, it's not bragging before, if you yeah, really did it. And before, you did yeah, it, Hollister. Before the U.S. Open, um, she was practicing at town tennis, and I got to hit with her for, for a little while. Too. I mean, how cool is that? That is totally cool. That was a very funny scene, though, the way they very did well it, where done. Marv Albert yeah, appears. Yeah. Did you know that Amy Schumer's father is Chuck Schumer's cousin? I did not know the that. The senator of New York. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and also, her sister went to the opening with her. And, you know, I mean, how fun would that be to have your sister write a role for you like that in a movie? I mean, because she comes off, I think, great. So you that know? was really based on her yes. real-life sister. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And if you look at her sister, if you look at pictures of her sister and her, I mean, you can see they, they cast very well in this movie. Now, this is my nitpicky comment. Um, <laughs> how many movies can you think of that have snow globes in them? A lot now, yeah. I'd be okay if I never saw another movie with a snow globe. <laughs> I mean, they were even in Unfaithful. That uh-huh. was a movie I loved, but I think the snow globe thing is a little okay, overdone. Okay, well, we'll tell her. You know, I but, know it's a visual. But. Uh, well, and also, I, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe her dad collected snow globes. I don't know. Well, but I, see, to me, the snow globe worked because it showed a side of him that you didn't expect. To me, the, sc- snow, the fact that her dad collected a snow globe wherever he went made him a better person than he appeared to be in that moment. So for me, the snow globes had a purpose. A snow globe with no purpose, I would go, I would go, I would say I get it. But, um, and the first snow globe, do you know the first movie where a snow globe takes place? <sighs> I'd have to think back through my parade of snow globes. Heidi. Really? Oh my God, don't you remember? No. She, yes. The girl, uh, <laughs> Clara, who is the the young child in the wheelchair that Heidi's been brought to entertain, gives her a snow globe of the farm for, for Christmas. It's her Christmas present, and Heidi wants to run back in and get it, because when the evil witch says she's going to take Heidi back to the grandfather, but really she's selling her. The aunt from Frankfurt. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. The aunt from Frankfurt takes the snow globe and throws it on the ground, and it breaks in a million pieces. That's your first snow globe moment, my dear. Do you know anyone who collects them in real life? Uh, no, but but today I thought maybe I should start collecting <laughs> snow. I'm going to get you one, Hollister. No, I'm but I did feel globe. in this. I know what you're talking about, and they are. But in this particular movie, it showed me a side of him I didn't expect. So for me, it, it did work. It didn't bother me greatly, but I'm going to add it to my list of things that yeah. if I never see again, I'm okay. Yeah. So kudos to Amy Schumer for writing yes, the script. Yes, you go, Amy. Love and you know what? Timing. I'm so glad that it's a launch that's doing well, and I like the way she handles herself publicly when she makes a tweet mistake or two, and. Uh, anyway, we think it'll do really, really well moving forward and can't wait to see what you're going to do next. And by the way, maybe the stretch would be, I would suggest that you consider writing a drama. I think you'd be really good at it. Interesting. Would Judd Apatow direct that drama? I don't know, but I can tell you that I think she's got it in her. I don't think she has to do comedy. Maybe she, you know, maybe she's hiding behind it or whatever, but I don't think she has to do it because there are very, very vulnerable, poignant moments that could make, mm-hmm. would make for great dramatic action. And some people say comedy is harder than drama. Exactly. You know, so not everyone can do it. I'm, thank you. Thank mm. you. Thank you, O'Toole, for agreeing to see this movie. If I could have figured out a way to get that reclining leather chair <laughs> into my handbag, I would have done it. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you get... went and, and, and could see it in, in the comfort of that new theater. So With my friends in a caramel macchiato. I mean, <laughs> life doesn't get better than no, that. No, it doesn't. 